Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Wendy Colby, who is the inaugural Vice President and Associate Provost of BU Virtual at Boston University. Wendy and podcast host Amr Alwalia discuss the need to expand and scale online offerings and the changing workforce dynamics that leaders need to keep an eye on. Wendy Colby, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. It's great to be chatting with you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, uh, you are the inaugural uh, vice president of BU Virtual. It's a it's a new vision. It's a new approach that that Boston University is taking to the online space. What led the university to launch the unit? Yeah, well, thanks for that question. You know, I'm really excited to be part of Boston University, to have the privilege of working with our schools and colleges across BU, right, really in the advancement of our online programming for BU. Um, And this has really been part of our efforts to reach new segments of learners across the world. So what's really interesting for BU is we've long been an innovator in this space in almost every sector, right? If you think about healthcare, you think about business, sustainability, climate change, data science, you name it. And so We have world-renowned faculty and staff, and we also have a history of leading online programs. So we've been in this business for the better part of the last 20 years, largely through our continuing education unit, which is called Metropolitan College at BU. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a variety of programs here that range from, you know, computer science and criminal justice and public policy. And we were also among the first to introduce a new online master of social work program some years ago. But we also recognized at BU that models have been evolving, and we had the opportunity to expand online in new ways and we wanted to think about it more in terms of scaled ways and so BU made a very strategic decision to elevate our focus to establish a unit through both the president's and provost's office so at a very senior leadership level here to really put online on the map and make it a vital part of our 2030 strategic plan so that Mm -hmm. shows you how focused we are on this as really a strategic initiative for the university. I also want to say that I think the pandemic really accelerated the call for innovation and digital transformation inside our university and inside universities in general, I think is certainly what we are seeing. So beyond the walls of the classroom. So there was a recognition that we can serve a wider range of learners, right? So that they have access to courses and programs, and particularly for those students who might never have the opportunity to come to Boston, we are reaching them in new ways and really upskilling and reskilling. And so I think there's never been a more important time to think about some of these new models, to think about how we attract the workforce and really extend our online programming at scale. And so again, very much a strategic effort for BU and really a focus on how do we put this together in a way that will bring together Together, our colleges and universities and amplify the impact for all. Absolutely. And to that topic, I mean, when, when you start to think about the this level of alignment and you start to think about this level of, of I'm not going to, not centralization, but maybe consolidation, how important is that work to creating a more central, a more streamlined and a more unified experience of being a student, an online student to Boston University, as opposed to 
when each department kind of operates in their own silos? Mm. Yeah, it's a really great question. You know, on the one hand, we still want to honor the focus that each of our schools and colleges has, right, as it relates to whether you're in our business school or you're in our school of public health or you're in our computing and data science center. But if every one of those schools is replicating what they do, right, when it comes to instructional design or enrollment management or the way technology supports online operations, Mm -hmm. it becomes really ineffective and moreover, you can't scale. Yes. And so what we try to do is bring that expertise into one place, certainly continuing to leverage our core technology, leverage our, our, our teams across instructional design and work in partnership with our faculty. So we have world-renowned faculty and staff, and so we want to bring them center stage with us, but in a way that will scale. And so we also look at how we scale around, you know, a learning facilitator or teaching assistant model as part of our programs, right? Yeah. And so we have an expertise. We bring an expertise here in online, which is very different from traditional uh, university operations. I often say you can't just copy-paste, right, from traditional to mm-hmm. online. And so um, I think finding ways to coordinate these activities across the university in ways that scale can scale and sustain really really important absolutely it's so interesting coming back to the topic of scale how central scale and and, and effective scaling is to this work it, it's something I remember we did a years ago with Paul LeBlanc uh, talking about the unbundling of, mm-hmm. of different roles within the institution. And, and the point he was making was that if folks can spend their time and energy focusing on the things they're experts in, mm-hmm. it creates the opportunity for the institution to become greater than the sum of its parts. I mean, I'm massively paraphrasing here, but that, yep. was, that yep. was the idea. And it, it's interesting to see that in action where you've used the, the term, we bring in expertise. And I think that's, mm. it's a critical component yeah. of thinking about the future university because it really is about how do we leverage multiple expertises in a way that benefits the student. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, You know, across our university, again, we've done so many great things that I think are entrepreneurial in nature, right, in each of our schools and colleges. And perhaps that's where online started as well. And now let's harness the power of that, like so that students have a common digital experience, something that I like to call it's be worthy. So whether you come into one of our, whether you come into our online MBA program or online master of public health program, you have a similar experience experience right in the online world and so that's where I think we can bring a level of expertise right the best online is not just turning on zoom right the best online is when you have that kind of combination of really understanding what are the learning objectives what are the learning outcomes what will that overall student journey be how am I going to collaborate with my peers and with my faculty members or with my learning facilitators what does that look like how do I enrich that experience and so we look for ways that we're really, I'll call it catalyzing that digital experience, paying a lot of attention to that student journey, bringing the best of those elements in an immersive way to students. And again, I think that's really important. It also helps demystify for many, including faculty, that you know we're just taking a residential class and putting it online. Right. And so this is a different model to meet students where they are today and to have an experience like this mirror the kinds of experiences they have in other parts of their digital lives. Absolutely. And that, and that it's such a key point too that, you know, when students think about the experience they're getting from a post-secondary institution, they're not comparing it to, you know, Boston College or 
you know, right. Tufts. They're, they're thinking about Amazon and Netflix and Grubhub right. and those kinds of experiences. I am curious, what did it take to get this off the ground? I mean, this is, it's a massive collaboration. Mm. And, and, you mm. know, I'm also going to be stealing a little bit from your upcoming session. Now we're together in Washington, D.C. We're at the Epsia Acro Conference, yep. uh, focused on, on micro-credentialing. You're presenting on the work that you did to create that alignment. So I'm just, I'm curious, how did BU Virtual build those relationships with the registrar's office, the continuing mm. education office, to to really help folks see what you were bringing to the table and, and where that relationship could stem from? I think it's just as you said, right? It is all about partnership and it's all about collaboration. And our work too is a very collaborative effort. And while this was spawned by the president's and provost's office, which I think really helps from a leadership perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you can't underestimate, right? The, the energy you need to put in to developing out those relationships. So one of the first things I did uh, when I joined Boston University was form a BU virtual advisory group. And this consisted of deans and senior academic leaders across the institution as a way to elevate awareness, refine our focus, do this in a collective way, right? Get ownership, get buy-in. This isn't just uh, what the leader of BU virtual is leading. This is an initiative that is led by the university. So I think that partnership piece remains really vital. Uh, I think what also has helped us um, is the early success we've seen in some of our, what I'll call our new online at scale initiatives, right? Really new business models, if you will, for the university. And this started with the launch of a new online MBA program at scale, right? So we also offered this at what we call a disruptive price point at a $24,000 price point. And, you know, very different than what Mm -hmm. you see in in traditional models in our portfolio and our business school. We, of course, have a residential MBA. We have a part-time MBA and now an online MBA. And we have just seen tremendous success with this program. And I think it has elevated for our campus and for our community the possibility, the potential of a very new business model. Initially, it did have resistance from some of our, our faculty members and our staff on what would this mean? Would we cannibalize other programs? We haven't seen that at all. In fact, it's opened up brand new segments for the university uh, and students from all over the world. These are students who are directors. They're VPs and organizations today. They're mid-career. And so it's been really wonderful to see that dynamic coming together. And also as part of our own access mission, this way to open up um, opportunities for, for, for students we would not uh, otherwise attract. So I think that served as a good model for us, and we've now expanded that into several others. So, you know, again, collaboration with our business school. We then collaborate with our School of Public Health there. We have uh, also launched a new online Master of Public Health, also at a disruptive price point. Mm -hmm. We're doing the same in data science. We're focused on areas where there are high demand signals, right, in the space, and as a way to elevate and grow the portfolio for our schools. I'm particularly focused at the graduate level. You know, one of the big trends we are seeing uh, across our space, writ large in universities, is a softening of graduate residential programs. And so I think that's creating some motivation for our deans and our academic leaders to say, we've got to look at other options. Students want choices. They want mobility. They want flexibility. They don't want to step out of their day to day. So I think that is what has really helped catalyze. You know, finally, I would say that uh, I think building the alignment and capability is also really Mm. critical to delivering quality programs at scale and sustaining 
that growth. And we have had to build muscle here. And I talk about that a lot, and especially in critical areas, whether it's instructional design, faculty support, learning experiences that matter, uh, enrollment management, marketing, um, these the broader technology ecosystem to support all this for online. And we do this with staff. We also do this with partnerships, right? And so I'm always reminding my teams that the residential online operations do work differently and they have to coexist. And while there's a lot we can leverage, we're not trying to be out on an island here, there are also very different expectations, right, that have to be part of that journey. And as I talk to many of my colleagues at this conference and elsewhere, I think this is a common theme, how you make space, right, in what can be very traditional universities to develop and grow a more innovative, at-scale online operation that can be sustained over time. So that's a work in progress, and I think it's often a muscle that we have to build. It's a a fascinating perspective, and you'd mentioned sort of the concerns around cannibalization um, being offset very, very quickly by the recognition that, oh, we're actually attracting very new learners that we wouldn't have been able to access anyway. How important was it to have some early wins, especially as it relates to bringing in new audiences of learners, to creating or, or maybe doubling down on buy-in to the, the project of BU Virtual in general? I think it was super critical. Um, and I think the opportunity for our university, you know, I will say, again, we've had a lot of history with online mm-hmm. and uh, we've had a very proactive dean in our continuing education school, which is called Metropolitan College. And we've had quite a lot of success with our continuing education programs. But as you might expect, often in continuing education programs, they tend to mirror a little bit more of what I would call residential to online. We take a residential program, we turn it online, it follows the same calendar. There's often a fairly high touch with faculty and staff and support. In this new online at scale model, we had to really think about this differently because now we're we're reducing our price point. Mm-hmm. But to reduce our price point, we have to look at how we support that and sustain that at scale and also with the high quality that we want to continue to maintain as Boston University and with the rigor we want around our programs, right? And so this is why the online MBA program really was so critical. It was one of the first identified, you know, we looked closely at demand sectors and what would drive enrollment. You know, what's really interesting today as I watch this program now and it's entering its third or fourth year um, and continuing, we just hit our highest cohort size ever uh, this past fall, is it's become a very competitive market, right? Online programs are part of almost every university portfolio. Over 750 online programs, that number keeps growing, right, that exists today. And so I think our ability to showcase that we could drive a program at scale where, by the way, our, our, our retention rates in these programs are 95% or more. So the programs are doing really well. We're also attracting students. This was an, an interesting uh, data point for us. The recent cohort, only 16% of our students are coming from Massachusetts. And while there's still often a regional wow. trend around online programs, we're seeing an increasing global base, a national hmm. base around these programs. So it's really been fascinating to watch that. But I think all the learnings that have come out of that, all the things that we had to do to really put the 
I'll call it the ecosystem together around operating that program, it's helped us to then look at how do we do this in other programs as well. And I think it's also built this sense of um, kind of community, built the knowledge base, right? You know, now there's a how can we do a program right. like that, right? And so that's a bit of what I often call these education sessions. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of at BU as well, still being relatively new there, is I'm often bringing together people across our university who have never met before. You know, there, are all, there were not always options to come together to say, oh, you are doing enrollment here at this school versus that school. How might we come together? And so what I find when you bring... Um, these folks together, you know, magic happens, right? Mm -hmm. There is a lot of energy and enthusiasm. I think we have a, a like I said earlier, a real entrepreneurial spirit for how we do things differently. Absolutely. But you got to keep moving that muscle, right? Well, it's, it's hard. It's neat, right? You're almost designing these informal communities of practice based around these excellent areas put it. that different folks <laughs> yeah. have. That's, that's really cool. And, and it kind of leads into, you know, obviously you're, you're an innovative leader. You've worked in, in, sort of all different segments of the post-secondary industry over the course of your career. What are some of the key things that you're doing to ensure that programming and credentialing does keep pace with market demand? As, as you laid mm. out, you know, you, you are a demand-based organization, while at the same time make, making sure that there's a strong alignment with sort of the academic quality and excellence mm. of, of the university itself. Yeah, it's such a great question, and uh, I'm often drawing on my previous experiences. You know, sometimes I call myself more of a business person in university clothing, and increasingly what I see is you need the marriage of both, right, the academic and the business side to really think about how you're growing a portfolio of programs. And so I think it's really important first to look at the market um, and to look at the segmentation of what's happening in the labor force today and what are the skills that will be needed and where is the student demand and and how can we reach those learners who may not be just seeking a degree, for example? It's one of the reasons we're at this conference. And how do we stay with them throughout their learning journey? So, you know, I look at the shifts we're seeing today. You know, a recent report out of McKinsey calls this the AI and data economy, yeah. right? So I am thinking a lot about the shifts that we'll need to make to upskill and reskill learners. There's a lot of dialogue even at this conference around, you know, those who might have pursued more non-traditional paths, right, mm -hmm. and have prior learning. and how do you equate that now, particularly in more traditional universities that say, well, we need to have the bachelor's degree for you to matriculate to the graduate degree. How do we think about the role of certificates and credentials as part of that pathway and as a way to stack into a degree if a degree is your pathway of choice? And so I think about choice a lot, you know, employers, and we're starting to work pretty closely with employers too and look at ways in which we might create things like corporate tech degrees and certificates to again satisfy the workforce because the workforce is also looking at universities like ours to bring that academic innovation and to bring the credibility right mm -hmm. and so universities should play a vital role in that but we have to open the conversations and do this together not have this divide between this is workforce and this is university and never the twain shall meet right so I think you can have this quality at scale and the kinds of partnerships I think that we're forming and bringing together, you know, what does it mean to be innovative, provide quality, have the rigor, but also recognize that speed and flexibility and skills on demand and relevance, um, 
that's workforce essential. Yes. And um, so I think there's this is a work in progress, right? I, what I have found is the more I bring the workforce in and some of the industry players in and we start to see skills in demand, I've even had some of my colleagues say, wow, it's a brave new world out there and we better embrace that. So it takes, hmm. I think, kind of this new mindset it takes uh you know universities are changing there's transformation underway and how can we be a change agent in that process right while also ensuring we maintain our brand reputation our quality our rigor all the things that got us to the place Mm -hmm. we are today i mean it's kind of interesting too because i'm sure there's a level of demystifying that you're actively doing where you know i think in in the higher ed space, especially at the university level, especially at sort of tier one R one institutions, the concept of workforce feels somewhat beneath the purpose or the mission of the institution. But the more folks actually understand what goes into an upskilling or a reskilling experience, the more folks actually start to engage with professional learners. It's a very different mindset that you start to adopt as as you demystify what what this actually all looks like. Yes. And and perhaps it's also how you amplify the great things that are already going on across Mm -hmm. the university. You know, I find pockets everywhere, right? Where we're doing internships globally, working with major companies around the globe, but it's also isolated. It's it's often isolated just to that particular need, right? right? And now let's think about how we might really open up some of those partnerships in a way, again, for scale, for growth, to reach more learners inside of these workplaces. And so I think that is the opportunity we have today. Absolutely. So as a as a leader, as someone who's got a, a, a pretty keen eye on what's going on, what are some of the key trends that you're watching that, that you expect to have a, a pretty lasting impact on our space? Yeah, I think there's so many of them. I think one of the big ones everyone is obviously talking about is AI. <laughs> um, that will obviously have a big impact. I just spoke on a panel on AI and uh, generative, you know, H- chat GPT and generative AI about a week or so ago. Um, so we, we have to think about jobs. We have to think about skills. We have to think about impact and how we apply AI to mm-hmm. learning, to enrollment trends, to jobs. I think that will be a big thing. You know, the other, uh, I think, common element for all of us is what we're seeing in terms of demographic shifts, right? You know, the demographic cliff we all talk about that we're all facing, the changes due to the birth rate, what that means for universities, um, even for selective universities like mine. And how are we attracting? We talk about this a lot too, more first-generation students, those who may have not followed a traditional path, right? And then how do we also extend into the adult workforce? And so I think these are new segments that we're all trying to uh, better understand and approach. And for the new skills and jobs that are changing at an accelerated speed, right? How to play a role in that um, for on-demand learning, for more partnership with industry and the workforce to marry skills to what the future uh, jobs will be. Um, I think there will be more um, pressure on career-focused learning, right? Stackable, relevant, modern formats, how we make that whole journey work. And for universities, we touched on this a little bit earlier, right? How are we embracing new models? So creating new pathways, new revenue streams, how to diversify and think about diversification in our overall portfolio between residential and online or even hybrid types of formats so that we're really meeting the learner where the learner is today. 
And I think so much of this, I think a lot about is, um, is, is how you accelerate and catalyze the change, right? Mm -hmm. And to be those change agents, to really be driving transformation, what does that mean so that we don't get stuck in the inertia of our traditional models, right? That may sustain many of us for some period of time, but we have to look at the signals that I think are going on right now relative to the changes in these markets and jobs changing. And that means a constant like revitalization of our portfolios, yeah. right? Not just hanging on to perhaps the programs and courses we've had for some period of time or a program that might have had three or four or five enrollments. How do we think about that differently? And so that's what I get excited about. That's where I think there's huge opportunity. And I think universities have this, this, this power, this opportunity, this obligation, right, to really rethink um, and be the leaders and the pioneers in this change movement, right? Absolutely. So um, that's what I hope to do. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm really trying to innovate uh, with our teams from the inside out. Mm -hmm. um, often the innovators will tell you you can only innovate from the outside in, and I've been on all sides. But when you have the powerful force of a university like we do, I think there is this opportunity to look at how can we, how might we, right, drive this, uh, drive this transformation together. Absolutely. Well, Wendy, I mean, that pretty much does it on my end. And this is the stage of our podcast where we shift, shift gears a little bit. Uh, so if someone's out to dinner in Boston, where do they need to go? So I will say to you, I'm still fairly new to Boston. I moved to Boston from the Chicago area about a year ago, um, but I'm going to pick a small place uh, called Barcino, and it's in Brookline. Um, it's entirely uh, employer-owned. Now, what I love about it is I lived in Brookline for about a year when I moved to Boston, and so it was right in my hood, right in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and you'd run into colleagues. There'd be students serving you at the table. Um, it's a bit of a BU company town area, but a lovely place and you can sit at the bar. Uh, you might meet a doctor from our med campus. I've I met new people just going into Barcino. So uh, very friendly, very inviting, and a local neighborhood kind of place. And uh, the hostess there is a lovely woman named Sam. And she often would say to me, here's how you remember her name, Sam I am. <laughs> awesome. Now I'm going to throw you for a bit of a loop then. If someone's out to dinner in Chicago, where do they need to go? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Unfair. Um, let's see, you know, a favorite place, because I do miss my Chicago pizza, uh, deep dish pizza, Leona's Pizza. Okay. I can respect that. Wendy, it's been a pleasure. Hey, Such thank you so pleasure. much for your time. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus Engagement Platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result? Innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner lifecycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.